This is a HeadGum Original. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. These lands will not be safe much longer. The men of Dale speak of strange folk passing out of the east. The Iron Hills are troubled and the elves are closing the borders of their lands. Orcs have returned to Moria. Soon they will be even this side of the mountains. The servants of the enemy multiply as his strength increases. Alas, there are now so few of Arkin. Our secret is no longer safe. Tell me. What is this creature you seek? I will find him. The road will not be easy, but you have the foresight of your people. If you can't find him, no one can. This is our second season, and we're working our way through Lord of the Rings. Oh boy, and this is the first time we're watching it with the help of nerds, super fans, and sometimes people who've contributed to this series. So we've watched both of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings and Hobbit trilogies. We've endured the Tolkien biopic, which I don't recommend to anybody. We finished the animation trilogy, which was the same thing as the live action trilogy, just goofier and uh we'll be revisiting more fanfic spin-offs video games and more in the weeks to come and uh this week we are discussing the hunt for Gollum, which is a fan film from 2009 and oh i should say i'm lauren lapkus and that's nicole Byer. i don't i'm mm, sure yep, you know yep, that by yes. now if you're mm-hmm. listening to this but um this fan film is available to watch for free on independent online cinema's youtube channel and we'll leave a link in the show notes to take you to the exact version we watched uh, as there are a few versions floating around out there 
So obviously, spoilers for all the aforementioned films are fair game. So go watch those first if you want to avoid spoilers. But also, they were made 20 years ago or more. And you <laughs> suck if you're being that picky about it. Um, but yeah, we watched the 1980 animated film Return of the King last week, which... Um, you know, I'm really, I'm glad that's done, I guess, is my take yes, on that. It's nice <laughs> to be done. By the way, I did see some hot takes on Twitter about what we should do next. And somebody suggested, and again, I'm going to say it wrong, Studio Ghibli or Studio Ghibli. I don't remember how it's pronounced. Ghibli. Okay, Mike says. Uh, though That series of films. And I'm interested in that. I think we might actually like those. I have no idea what Studio Ghibli is. Okay, I don't really either, but I sort of do. It's um, it's a Japanese animated film company, and they did oh. My Neighbor Totoro. You know that I feel like you probably have seen that if you saw that or Spirited Away. I mean, I'm, I've I never seen Spirited Away. Okay, so that's that same. There's like oh, a whole okay. bunch of those uh, types of movies, and I think that could be fun. I've never seen Spirited Away, and I feel like we might like those. I did like Spirited Away. My sister says we should do. My sister opened up by going. I have not listened to a single episode of this podcast. <laughs> I understand the premise. You should watch The Last Airbender and then proceeded to drone on and on and on and on about how no. I would love it. But I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this, Catherine. No, and I do feel like that fits into the same category as Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. And also, then we, we also were informed today that that Life Day movie, with that Lego Life Day movie is coming out on in uh, November <laughs> online. And I do feel like we have to talk about it. Like, I feel like we like Life agree. Day. We did. We liked Life Day. <laughs> I, I loved the holiday special. I yeah. might watch it again for I think, a third time I this year. I honestly think I am going to watch it this year because, you know, there's like nothing to look forward to and it's something to do. Um, <laughs> but let's get into this episode. We are very excited about our guest today, Eva Anderson. And Eva is a producer and writer known for Briar Patch. You are the worst. She's also written for the Onion News Network and the Comedy Bang Bang TV show on IFC. And she's done so much more. And we love Eva. Hi, Eva. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, my God. I'm you? so psyched to be here. This is my dream. We are so happy to have you. <laughs> and we really can't wait to get into the hunt for Gollum, which I now. Did you know about this? Had you seen this? I did not know about this. I, I'm like vaguely aware, I feel like of, um, just like general, like fan films. I feel like mm -hmm. I found out about fan films and fan fiction kind of all at once and was really confused by it. Like when I was like 22 or 23 years old and I know like a little bit, I know there's like really hardcore, like star Wars fan films, but I had no idea there were Lord of the Rings fan films. I had never heard of a fan film until this, I don't think. Same. Oh, really? I thought there yeah. was just like literature. I didn't know that people went on their own and made films <laughs> of like their own accord. Like imagine making a movie that you can never actually put out like properly, but takes all the work of actually doing a yeah. movie. Right. That's so crazy. Mm -hmm. I just remember like 10, 15 years ago, I was at Comic-Con and like the line to screen the winning Star Wars fan films like went all the way down this hallway. Wow. And it was just like the longest line I saw at Comic-Con. It was just people waiting to see like what won best Star Wars fan film that year. Oh, wow. So it's like a big thing at Comic-Con? Yeah, I think it's there's a whole culture around it. But then you can't you can like upload it to YouTube, but then you have to have a ton. There were so many disclaimers on this. It was like, we have nothing to do with Lord of the Rings, nothing to do with Tolkien. We did this out of love. There's we made no money on this. <laughs> Please don't sue us. Like the music <laughs> yeah. is all original, like every single mm -hmm. thing they had to put. Because I think the credits were like 10 minutes long. 
Mm-hmm. Did you guys see the <laughs> how much it costs to make it? Oh no! Oh no! But I'm sure we have that here. It cost four thousand dollars. What? That guy made that movie for four. I'm very impressed by that. I'm impressed too. But that's like a good chunk of money to make a film. But that's cheap for all of the special effects. It is. I feel like I was all crowdsourced. He like crowdsourced the entire movie. He had like 160. And this is just me researching after watching it this like last night. I've never heard of this before. It wasn't like I was like, guys, we got to do this. But it's, um, <laughs> yeah, he had 160 volunteers on it doing like all the special effects, all the makeup, acting, like giving wow. him like costumes and stuff. And he just did it all for free because he worked on Star Wars fan films before that. So he learned the way that like the mm. system works where everyone just like. I mean, it sounds like kind of like sketch comedy a little bit. Like, yeah. you just like, we're like, does anybody have like a taco costume? I don't do a taco <laughs> sketch. I drove around with so many wacky wigs oh my in God, my I trunk know. for so long. Same. And just on Halloween, I was like, I think I should put on a costume. And I had one in like two seconds. I was like, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had like, okay, I got wigs. I got a mask. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, how did you become a Lord of the Rings fan in the first place? And how big of a fan are you? Where do you put yourself on that? Okay. Well, I'm going to mention something. I don't know that I'm sorry. I'm not totally caught up, but has this come up in the podcast? The 1981 radio show. No, God, no, it hasn't. Oh, guys, oh, you're I'm so sorry. Yep. I guess that's going to be next. It's 13 hours long. <gasps> no. no! <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. I truly almost just burst into tears. We cannot. I'm just saying it now. We cannot. I know. I'm so, I don't think you guys should do it. I think it would kill you. But my dad like would record them off of the, off of PBS. And he had this like big book of like tapes when I was a kid. And I would just like listen to them. One interesting thing about it, it was recorded in 1981. It had all the best kind of British actors at the time in it. And interestingly, Ian Holm, who plays Bilbo in the movies, is Frodo in the radio show. Oh, so you get to hear early, like young, fresh Ian Holm being like a very vulnerable Frodo. So I listened to those like constantly when I was a kid. I really, really liked them. Um, I did watch the Rankin and Bass cartoons a little bit, but I agree that they're mm-hmm. very creepy and the music is very bad. Yeah. 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 It's so, it's also like exactly the same, no matter what the song is. <laughs> it's all it's like just flat. Like, <laughs> we all want him go outside. I'm like, okay, make it stop. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was really into this radio show. Um, then I was happy when the movies came out. I worked on, I worked on actually Academy Awards, the year Return of the King won Best Picture. I was the writer's assistant for the Billy Crystal opening film where he dressed as Gollum and was naked. And was like naked for like a third of it in Gollum makeup, like creeping around on set in like a loincloth. And I was like on set for that. So that was weird. Must have been very weird. Yeah, that sounds like a fever dream. (laughs) And then another weird thing just about my like experience with Lord of the Rings. Um, I think I told you about this a little bit, Lauren, but when I was like before that, so between listening to the radio show and the, and between when the, then, and the, like when the first movie came out pre first movie coming out, I um, was like driving through Northern California with my little brother and my boyfriend at the time. And um, 
like a family friend. And we went to this place called the Avenue of the Giants, which is this two lane road through the Redwoods where every stop has like a crazy, like a local attraction. Mm-hmm. And there was this thing called um, Hobbiton USA, oh. which was in the 70s when Hob- the Hobbit had its first surge. These people bu- like built a Hobbit like walk through adventure in the middle of the Redwoods that was all cement and all like super, super creepy. And it was closed when we got there. It just closed. So we broke in and we like were kind of walk, just like wandering through it. And every, it was just like, you'd walk and walk and you get to like a cement diorama of like Gandalf and (sighs) Bilbo Baggins and you'd hit a button and this voice would be like, Gandalf and Bilbo were friends <laughs> in the Shire. And they would sort of narrate like some of the book for you. And then you go on a little nature hike and you get to the next part. But I'm trying to, I want to show you guys, I'm dropping into the chat. Oh, oh we have this little picture of the green, little green The green guy. golem. Yeah, okay, the yeah. golem that, that was in that was like the funniest thing I've ever seen. That is so and, weird. So who made that, do you think? Well, is there any explanation? It, was, it turns out like, because when we got to Gollum, we hit the button and the voice was like, <laughs> Gollum lived in a cave. And then the people who made it and owned it like started like yelling at us and chasing us because we could hear where we were because of the loudspeaker. Mm-hmm. So they knew where we, they could like identify us. And so they started chasing us and we had to like sprint out of the, like the Hobbit maze and to back to our cars. Oh my God. Wait, cause we, you weren't supposed to be there. Yeah. We broke in. We'd broken it. Yeah. Oh <laughs> cause it was my close. God. So Hobbit, so Hobbit town or Hobbiton USA was open and then closed or you went after hours? We were there after hours, but sadly it closed like a year before the Peter Jackson movie came out before the first Peter Jackson. So they just missed oh, it by like sucks. a year. I know it yeah. was really sad. I really liked it. And I was like, Oh, this would be so great if anybody cared about the Hobbit right now. And then it just like ended up. Yeah. But I broke the law. But would it be like worse for people who like actually saw the movies and then went to this? Because like the this looks like a kid made it. <laughs> oh yeah, it's really shitty. <laughs> like I feel like if you actually cared and then you pulled in, you'd be like, oh damn, we just drove all the way here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not easy to get to. Um <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I love uh I love The Lord of the Rings. I also never watched any of the Hobbit movies, and I think Return of the King is boring. And I've never read any of the books. So is oh, that wow. you have a very unique um, way in. Mm-hmm. We yeah, haven't heard about the radio play. So I do feel like, um, unfortunately, we're probably going to have to hear a little bit of it. But I, I don't want 13 hours of it. I think I if we absolutely <laughs> don't want 13 hours. It would be, that's like pure punishment at this point. We've we've watched every single thing. We've written our own, you know. It's gone everywhere. Oh, you're so deep in it. You know, 13 <laughs> hours would just destroy you. And it's a story you've already had to trace over so many times. <laughs> and to be like, there'd be no surprises in it at all. No, it's so true. I mean, we are watching the same story over and over and over again. But like, yeah. I keep seeing new things that I didn't catch the first time. And I still don't know that I could tell you. Are you happy about the things you're catching? Or are you just like, ah, just a thing? I- it's a lot of just ah a thing. I through this experience I have learned I am deeply not into fantasy mm-hmm. when Ooh. it comes to the woods and little Keebler elves and <laughs> fairies or they're fairies, right? Elves. Gladrigal, she's elves. a fairy? No, elves. Why? So there's why no can't fairies. There be fairies. Okay. I mean <laughs> there should be. If there were little teeny fairies flying around, I would like that. 
I would like that too. Like I love Fern Gully, but yeah, Lord oh, of yeah. the Rings doesn't do it for me. I, I, I don't know what it is. I think I'm well, just like. Well, you know like, what too? Like fairies would also, I'm assuming some of them would be female. We'd get more female characters. There's like so few female characters in these movies and that's mm-hmm. like boring. Like I feel like we don't have much to hold on to coming into this as people who don't have a fantasy background. Mm-hmm. Like we're grasping. Oh, yeah. Lord of the Rings is so male. It's wild. It's like all about battle buddies in World War One or two, whatever it was like that Tolkien was obsessed with is like, I feel like it's all about like you go to war and then you have a battle buddy and then you see them through everything. And that's not a female experience. That's like an extremely British, like male experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. I just miss like women. Yeah, because I mean, I do think like we're always looking for romance or something in there that's like relatable in some way. And like it it just it doesn't have that at all. And so we're like, okay, try to remember who all these people are and what (laughs) they're doing and like why they're mad at each other. It's just a lot. And this, and because they're so long, you're like, oh my God, like if it, like just get to the point. The most like romantic <laughs> relationship in all of the movies is like Frodo and Sam. They're so in love I with mean, each other. Mm-hmm. But Bill, like Bilbo Baggins, once you get to Hobbit, it's like, who gives a nobody? Everything feels really fakey if there's any sort of love story. But see, that one was my favorite. So that's what's so weird about it. Cause I was like, this one's silly. <laughs> like they're just silly. It's super fun. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, should we jump into Wait, this? I want to talk about your Gollum tattoo. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I skipped over the most important thing. Um, yeah, oh okay, so in the middle of all of that, I, like, when I was 20 years old, I took a bus to Seattle from L.A., and I had, like, 12 hours in Seattle, and I was like, I need to get a tattoo. And then I went to this place called the Pink Zone, and I was like, I need to just pick one of these tattoos, or I just won't have one. Wow. And I gravitated to this like very generic <laughs> golem tattoo. Just the logic of <laughs> I need to pick one or I won't have one. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I need it now. I need it now. I'm an adult. But anyway, and I was just, I was, uh, yeah, I wouldn't think I was even 20 yet. I was like 18 or 19, but I was just like this one. So I ended up with this like crazy. And also this is before the Lord of the Rings came out. It's oh not God. a Rankin and Bass golem, but I feel like it is very clearly a generic golem. I can't so, wait. So wait, I gotta turn my self view back on so you guys can see. Make sure you guys can see it. But wow, it's not small. <laughs> <laughs> it's wow. uh, not small. It's like a blurry <laughs> idea of a golem. Is that would you? It, it kind of looks like um like Yoda. Oh, and I was gonna say gremlins. Mm, yeah, like a Yoda y gremlin. It's a little gremlinsy, it's a little Yoda y. Yeah, but I feel like he just kind of falls in the middle of it's all It's pretty those fun. Do you I'm regret cool it? With it. Um, okay. No, I don't have to see it very often because it's on mm. my butt. So um my <laughs> husband has to see it and he comments on it and calls it Gollam, which is just sort <laughs> of like... <laughs> No, I, I think it's funny. I feel like it ties a lot of my life together. Yeah. Um, it is stupid. I but. so this was like flash on the wall of a tattoo shop. Yeah, I just sort of looked at the wall and I was like, I gotta pick one. That's so funny. Were you able to choose the size or was it like that's the size it was on the wall? Um, I think he was like, How big? And I was like, This big <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I wanted it to like peek out over my shorts because it was the, you oh know, Oh my god, I love that. The nineties. 
So Gollum just to peek out and say, hello. <laughs> I think my reasoning was I was like, he's, you know, he's not scary, but he's not cute. He's like me. I'm kind of just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and do you have other tattoos or is that your only one? Yeah, I have an Edward Gorey tattoo that matches it on the other hip, which is oh, also really basic. Well, and I got it? it like the next year. Sure. Wait, who? Edward Gorey. He's like an artist. Um, oh. I think you might recognize him. Like, oh, cute. Oh, so cute, blurry. cute, cute. That's fun. I like that there's the pair. I know. Maybe one day I'll like touch them up and, and make them more uh, modern, but eh, whatever. The only thing about getting a tattoo touched up is like you forget how much they fucking hurt. How many? Ta- you have tattoos, right, Nicole? Yeah, I think I have. Oh, I don't know. Maybe 20, 50. Really? Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't know you had that many. That's I cool. have. So many, and I just keep getting more. I love tattoos. Yeah, I truly love them, and I keep thinking of the dumbest things to get tattooed to me that make me tea. <laughs> I feel like once you open the door and you get them, like you're way more open to just adding fun ones and running mm-hmm. with it, and it's not as precious as like the oh no pun intended as the first one. But jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any though. And I feel like I actually had a dream last night that I accidentally got two tattoos and one of them was, uh, the three eyed fish from the Simpsons, but it was like drawn really bad. And I was like, Oh, I think this is bad. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I like that you had a dream where you accidentally got a tattoo. Yeah. And it wasn't filled in. And I was like, I think I'm supposed to go back or something. (laughs) Nicole, do you have like a go-to tattoo person or do you just like wing it? I used to wing it, but then I went and got a tattoo, not from this girl. I, I get them from this girl named uh, Alana. She has a shop called Rabble Rouser in Venice. And I like her work. She does, she does everything she draws. I'm like, mm-hmm, yes, I love it. Uh, and then I got another one by this other random person and he didn't do a good, he did a fine job. It was whatever. And then I was like, oh, why would I ever leave this lady that I like? So I just I go to her like once every couple of years. That's cool. Nicole, yeah. what was your first one? My first one was three stars on my ankle that I made on Microsoft Word. <laughs> <laughs> and it says loved in the day my mother died. And I took a piece of paper to the artist and I was like, this, please. And he was like, do you want it bigger, smaller? Do you want me to draw you something? And I was like, and no, because I was like, I don't. What if he's a bad drawer? Right. Uh, and then I also thought you could only get what was on the walls as well. It was like either you brought in a picture or you got what was on the walls. Right. I don't know why I didn't understand that a tattoo artist is an artist. I have one, two, three, four, four or five tattoos I made on Microsoft Word before I learned that <laughs> they can draw you stuff. I think that's really great. I love that. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I that's was in unique. the same head, head frame. I was like, either I bring a print out or I pick it off the wall. And there's only yeah. two options. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. And asking a question is definitely out of the question. <laughs> I mean, I asked zero questions up until like a couple of years ago. I'd just be like, mm-hmm, sure, mm-hmm. Uh, should we hit the Shire Wire, Let's which is our it. news segment? So Sean Connery declined an offer to star in Lord of the Rings. Peter Jackson offered Connery the role of Gandalf, which later went to Ian McClellan. 
Uh, Connery apparently turned down the trilogy because he did not understand the script. This was oh. the same reasoning for turning down the role of Morpheus in The Matrix a few years prior. Imagine Wait. Sean Connery in The Matrix. Doesn't he know you can just do stuff you don't understand? <laughs> <laughs> did you hear that, the last part of that story that was really funny, though, that because of that, he he did pick League of Extraordinary Gentlemen to be in? And then everyone hated it so much that he quit acting forever. What? Wait, oh my God. Really? Wait, hold on. Okay, wait, yeah. we're getting there in our story. because So Lord of the Rings ended up costing Connery more than The Matrix did. He would have collected 15% of the trilogy's box office, which Damn. celebrity net worth valued at $450 million Damn. on top of his $10 million salary. Plus Gandalf appeared in three Hobbit films too. So he would have made even more than that. So that's... So Ian McKellen made bank. Damn, I yeah, mean, he did. $450 million in... Box office? That's, that's like, insane. That's amazing. Well, yep. After watching The Matrix and Lord of the Rings become massive hits and pop culture phenomenon, a uh, phenomenon, phenomena? Oh, phenomena. <laughs> with, 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 man, sometimes reading is so. No, it just sounded hard. like that Muppet song where they go, isn't it like phenomena? Phenomena. Phenomena. So Connery decided to make a movie he didn't understand. Oh. The next one that came his way was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, based on the Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill comic books. That is so fucking funny. And he I, said, uh, I don't understand this movie, but I'll be damned if I turn it down. That's fucking hilarious. Okay, so he uh, literally did my advice and it went horribly. That's great. That's and then so he never funny. acted again. He quit Hollywood. How old was he Wait, then? truly, that was his last movie? Yeah. That's sad. That's really You can't take funny. it that personally. <laughs> I mean, I guess he's probably old. And rest in peace, Sean Connery. He just, oh, did he pass? He just did the other day. Oh, dang. And I was looking at, I follow People Magazine on Instagram, and they mm -hmm. posted their cover, which had Michael J. Fox, and then it had Sean Connery in like a bubble. And then all the comments were like, Sean Connery should be the main picture and they're just like ranking on Michael J. Fox for being, I'm like, do you understand how anything works? It's not like the, whatever. <laughs> I just don't know why I read comments, but I can't help it. People love to complain. I always click the comments just going, I bet you I know what they're going to be mad about. And then mm -hmm. I just see that they are and I, okay, no, I, I was right. That's all I wanted. Yeah. No I point. feel like, pe I, I, I feel like I understand people less and less as time goes on. <laughs> people magazine or just people? <laughs> People magazine. I just don't understand like where their stories are going. It's just like too crazy for me. No people in the world. Everyone's crazy. Yeah. I feel like this election too is just making that even more clear. Like, well, okay. So I, like, I just have no connection to anything. I mean, we'll know who's president by the time this comes out or maybe we won't. Who knows? Oh, weird. But, uh, <laughs> there was like, we might know tonight by the time oh we finish God. recording. Maybe yeah, we should check in. But in Detroit, there was people like pounding on the glass of like the counting centers. I don't know what the fuck they're called being like, stop the count, chanting, stop the count. And I was like, what is happening? And then there's protests. And I was like, what it what what in the literal fuck is happening? And like, I feel insane every fucking day. Yeah, <sighs> it's crazy. Um, That's bad. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll dive into this fan film that we just need to talk about in depth. <laughs> Remember 
in 2018 when border control separated thousands of refugee kids from their parents and deported the parents back to their home countries while keeping the kids in the United States? Well, believe it or not, six years later, there are hundreds of families who still have not been reunified. Although we as a community may feel hopeless at times, I recently learned about an organization called Al Otrolado, which works to reunify families. They provide holistic, legal, and humanitarian support to refugees, deportees, and other migrants in the U.S. and Tijuana through a multidisciplinary, client-centered, harm-reduction-based practice. Since 2018, they've reunified over 100 refugee families ripped apart by Trump's zero-tolerance policy. Once reunited, Al Otrolado helps each family to find legal representation, housing, and counseling that they need in order to heal and get on their feet. Imagine having your child ripped from your arms and never knowing when you'd see them again. We can't let family separations go on. If you're like me and believe that families belong together, join me in supporting Al Otrolado and donate today. You can find the link to donate to Al Otrolado in the description of this episode or or go to gum.fm slash charity to donate today. You can also consider volunteering with the organization, which offers opportunities that are both in-person and virtual. The best way to get involved is by filling out an application on their website at alotrolado.org slash volunteer. Altrolado.org slash volunteer. Ooh, do you want to make your mom smile? Start Mother's Day with flowers or surprise her with gifts from the brand she loves. And guess what? It's delivered with the same day with DoorDash. Get 50% off your next order of up to $15 when you spend $15 plus on your next flower, convenience, grocery, or retail order now on DoorDash. And the promo code is NEWCOMERS. Listen, moms are a gift. I know that best. So give her the best this Mother's Day. Select from hundreds of expertly crafted bouquets to the best of tech to self-care essentials delivered right to the door. Get 50% off your next order up to $15 when you spend $15 plus on your next flower, convenience, grocery, or retail order now with the code NEWCOMERS. That's NEWCOMERS. Order using DoorDash today. Terms apply. Get a Mother's Day gift as unique as she is with DoorDash. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by AuraFrames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an AuraFrame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, wow. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these AuraFrames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an AuraFrame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. 
HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Ooh, baby, we're back and we gotta talk about this plot summary. Okay, I got to say, watching this, I was like, what is happening? And then I thought that this man who played Aragorn 2 was the man. I thought it was the dude from the movie. He looks so much like him. (laughs) I was blown away that they weren't the same person. He's also, though, kind of janky when you then you look at him again. It's sort of like how Gandalf sort of just looks like someone's dad in this <laughs> <laughs> and then when he meets the other ranger that guy just has mud on his face there's so much mud on everyone's face yes. a lot yeah, of mud, mud was a key player um so okay so it's called the hunt for Gollum, and it was written directed and produced by chris bouchard and it was released may 3rd 2009 now should we jump into the plot first or we want to talk about yeah let's okay, jump let's into the that. plot So the film is set during the time span of the Fellowship of the Rings. It takes place 17 years after Biblo Bagginson's uh, 111th (laughs) birthday party. And just before Frodo leaves uh, the Shire for Riverdale, an interval that is not outlined in the motion picture. The wizard Gandhi fears that Gollum may reveal information about the one ring to the Dark Lord Sauron and sends the ranger Aragorn to uh, to quest what on a quest to find him. (laughs) The story opens with a brief prologue about the ring's disappearance before cutting to Aragorn and Gandalf at an inn, presumably the prancing pony, which of course I knew, just kidding, in Bree. Gandalf (laughs) explains his concerns about Gollum's knowledge of the ring falling into enemy hands and asks Aragorn to find the creature with his tracking skills. After initially having little luck, Aragorn crosses paths with a fellow ranger and distant kinsman named Arithir, who reports hearing rumors about a creature that has been stealing fish from open windows in local villages. The movie cuts to a scene of Gollum doing just that and eating his ill-gotten gain atop the roof. Aragorn and Arthur part ways and Aragorn <laughs> encounters and kills a pair of orc scouts in the forest. He locates Gollum by a fish pond afterwards and captures the creature in a snare trap. Having secured the whining and protesting Gollum inside the sack, Aragorn sets out for Mirkwood, on the way, he briefly spots one of the nine ring wraiths in the woods, but avoids it. And later that day, he is attacked by an orc squad and defeats them, but he is hit by a poison dart, which takes effect after he dispatches his last attacker. He collapses behind, uh, beside the patch of Fila uh, flowers and has a vision of Arwen in Riverdale. <laughs> Aragorn regains consciousness at dusk and discovers that Gollum has escaped from the sack. I want to know who was in that sack, by the way. <laughs> I have 
questions about the sack. Um, he seeks the creature well into the night and finally finds him hiding up in a tree. Gollum fearful, fearfully explains that a ring wraith is coming. Seconds later, a ring wraith indeed does appear and attacks Aragorn. After a short but intense duel, the ring wraith flees from a bright light created by the elves of Mirkwood who recapture Gollum and guide Aragorn back to their fortress. The scene cuts to Gandhi emerging from Mirkwood's dungeons after interrogating Gollum. Gandhi tells Aragorn that Gollum uh, knows of Biblo Baggins and the Shire and explains that he must go there now to warn Frodo. Aragorn suggests sending Frodo to meet him in Bree, and Gandhi readily agrees. The film ends with Gollum speaking to himself in the dungeon where he vows to kill Baggins and Jizz and reclaim his precious. <sighs> and that's it. Now... yeah. Okay, now how how did this film stack up against everything else we've seen and and, and all of us wh- that we know about Lord of the Rings? And do we think it's a good supplement to the franchise story wise? I just have to say I felt I felt confused about the story, which was Same. on brand. Yes, but I don't know if that helped me in any way. I I also felt like I don't because I don't really understand. I didn't really understand before actually talking about it right now that fan films exist and are like fan fiction basically like let's mm-hmm. act out something we wish would happen in the movie or like fill in the gap in some part it's a pretty interesting idea um but and i actually thought they looked a lot like it looked really good like i was really surprised yes. it i thought it was good. gonna look like blair witch or something like i was like really surprised <laughs> that it was like, like a found footage <laughs> fantasy <laughs> movie <laughs> but i don't get how they used Gollum. like i don't that part i didn't understand well, like, I think it's based on like there's a story. So there's a I think in the Lord of the Rings book there's a part, or in the as I know it in the radio show, there's a part <laughs> where like Gandalf is like basically like, hey, this guy Strider went and and talked to he basically like went and talked to Gollum and found out that you guys have the ring. So I think that he just took like that line from the book and was like, what if that was a little movie I could do? Because it's not mm. in any of the movies. Mm. So he was just doing like basically I think it might even be like a footnote or something crazy like that in the book where it's like a couple lines. But he was just like, OK, that's the movie I'm making. And I'm going to make it be a badass and like fight a bunch of orcs and black writers and have a girlfriend dream and stuff. To fill it <laughs> I out. wonder how it got so well known. That's it's viewed. Been, it's been viewed so many times. Mm-hmm. It was in a film festival. And I it was written up in like the New York Times and the BBC and all these like it was kind of like the first Lord of the Rings um, fan film. And I think just because it looks so good, people just kind of got excited about it. I don't know. They Mm -hmm. showed it in theaters actually in England. Like, oh, wow. The week that it came out and then it was like streaming. And it seems like just people were like, oh, like this cost four grand. And you did like this. You were able to like do this level of kind of faking out peter jackson yeah i mean i i did feel like it it like has the right look and Mm -hmm. and i was like instantly bored in that way that i am you know (laughs) (laughs) so i knew it was doing something right yeah i think totally it was yeah they did really well (laughs) you're like oh it's back we're back I i also thought i think i misunderstood something when we first talked about watching this and i thought that it was like a documentary sort of, I thought it was going to be funny or like weird. Uh-huh. And it was just like more of this. Like yeah, I was very like, serious. <laughs> yeah. Just a, just a piece of the, a couple scenes you missed. Yeah. But with yeah. worse actors. I just like kept being confused. I was like, why is Aragorn looking for Gollum? 
<laughs> you I know what like, I thought was like sweet? Like there was something about them acting out this stuff. Like I don't know who these people are, but like, because they made this, I assume it's like, you know, it, they're very passionate and uh, whatever. But there was something like about, you know, sometimes when you can feel like, oh, they just memorized the line. Like they just mm-hmm. did that. Like, it's like, there was something like endearing about that to me. Like, oh, he just went over there and like, was like, I'm going to, I can't think of a line, but that they like, took this time like it felt very like sincere and like sweet in that sense mm-hmm. like just thinking about everyone doing it and which I'm probably not supposed to be thinking about when watching something but <laughs> there was that homemade vibe that you can't help but feel I got that vibe very strongly when he had his flashback to like uh Arwen and it was just like in kind of some greenhouse mm-hmm. and it just and then she looked like she just worked at like a drugstore <laughs> like well, she I was think- like I thought Arwen looked more like the way I think an elf should look. Ooh, oh, that's controversial, and I love it. So more than, like, Liv Tyler? I think so. I buy her more as an elf than Liv Tyler, yes. Dang, I love that. That's cool. Uh Uh-oh, is that, like, not a a good thought? No, No, I I just have bought into the Peter Jackson, like, aesthetic of elves so completely, and she just seemed kind of like a, a a sweet normie. Because she's more accessible. Like the people in those movies are so like symmetrical and mm-hmm. like glowy. They, yeah. they always have light bouncing off them. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Like blown out with like stars around them. Yeah. And I liked her looking real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Make them all more real. That's I want the goblock to look more authentic. Yes. <laughs> Less block and more gob. <laughs> I liked the idea of just keeping Gollum in a bag too, so you didn't have to do Gollum effects. That was actually I did pretty think he was clever. clever. Yeah, but I I really was going, who's in the bag? Who's in there? <laughs> I just wanted to know, like, is is there a kid in there? Is it a guy? Yeah. Like, what's Some the fourteen year old? Do you think it was an actual person, or do you think it was just like a bunch of? toys <laughs> well like it kind of punched at one point so i was mm. like at some point there's somebody in there or something but I, yeah i don't know that's the information i really want about the making of this <laughs> i wonder if that's going to be in our trivia maybe Who's in the bag well okay so how do we feel about the acting overall what was our takeaway how do what was the You know, I thought it looked so much like a Lord of the Rings movie and felt so much like a Lord of the Rings movie. I would be like, oh, wait, what's up? Oh, yeah. These are not Lord of the Rings. These are not like actors that I've seen in many things. So like I kept getting tricked into thinking they were acting very well. But then I was like, some of these lines are not so good. So I kind of went in and out. Yeah. Also thinking it was made in 2009 was makes it a little more impressive too. Like it looks pretty good for 2009. It looks, you know, it's like solid. Like it looked really fucking good. Yeah. Eva, what did you think? Did you feel guys? It ranks like this for me. Number one, (laughs) fellowship of the ring. Number two, Lord of the Rings radio show. Number three, hunt for Gollum. I fucking love Hunt for Gollum. And that's not just because it's the only ones you've seen. (laughs) No, that all the rest of them, then all the rest of everything. You loved it? I was like blissed out on Hunt for Gollum. Oh my God, I love this. Okay. This is a hot take. My husband was too. We were both like, this fucking rules. We were just like, how did they do this? The whole time we were just like freaking out. We were like, this cost four grand? They just made this? They just got all this shit together? What, why is it, what if Lord, and it's also like, what if everyone in Lord of the Rings was sort of like a normie, just person, just sort of like (laughs) wandering around in, in Wales? 
I loved it. it I just felt I was feeling it. It did. I didn't Aww. feel like all the kind of cynicism when I've dipped in and out of the hobbits when I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, they're just like stretching this out. I was like, this is like everyone's just going for it. It was like going to watch like a high school musical or something where everyone's just like, this is our moment. We're in Lord of the Rings. I'm Strider. I'm Gollum. <laughs> like it just felt like incredibly earnest in a way that I just yeah. I just won me over immediately. Well, and I do think there's something really nice about the fact that they didn't make it like three hours long. They were like, yes. let's make it 30 minutes. Let's yes. just do it yeah. as well as we possibly can for 30 minutes. And I thought that was um, a great call because it does make you appreciate all the work more. If it went on longer, mm-hmm. you'd be like, stop. I, I, I After <laughs> the 40 minute mark, I would have like plummeted from yeah. my favorites. Yes, I did appreciate that it was short and sweet. Uh, <laughs> this film won awards. It won the Balticon Film Festival for Amateur Short Film Award uh, for the Best Live Action Award in 2009. I just said award so many times. And on National Public Radio's All Things Considered, reporter Laura, reporter Laura Seidel said, The Hunt for Gollum looks just like the Hollywood version. I was fooled the first time I saw it. The special effects in the trailer are flawless. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. She loved it. She was she like, really I thought it. this was the movie. I <laughs> thought that was Orlando Bloom. Try I, to convince me it's not. So funny. <laughs> a blogger for Entertainment Weekly said the filmmakers seem to have nailed a passable low budget version of Peter Jackson's best epic movie ever visuals. <laughs> yeah. I think if I were Peter Jackson, I'd be like, this can't live anywhere. Because <laughs> this must be stopped. <laughs> yes, because I spent a lot of money and time making these movies. And these people maybe spent some time, but not nearly as much money as I did. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I own New Zealand, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> because theoretically, let's see, it's like a 30 minute movie. Lord of the Rings is three hours long. So what is that? Like 20,000 he should have been able to make that movie for? I'm not good at math. 21,000? I, I honestly have no idea. But Alfred would, would like have had to volunteer their time and their mm, effort. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, he yes, would have yes. had to get a lot of people to volunteer. That would never work. But yeah. the Tolkien scholar Robin Ann Reed wrote that the consensus seems to be that the film is atypical of fan productions because of its professional production values and calls it a hybrid fan slash pro film. Okay, so a fan film can't be done professionally? It's almost like she's saying it can't be too good. Like if you get some professionals yeah. to help out on your fan film, it's no longer a fan film. Mm. Uh, Robin, s- suck it. And she's a Tolkien scholar. It feels like she'd be supportive of this, but maybe she's just <laughs> too jealous. She's in too deep. Yeah, she Robin Ann Reed, she's in too deep. You can't, you can't say it doesn't count because it's too good. That is like a really weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird move. <laughs> well, maybe it's because like you wouldn't, go all out on like a fan fiction movie. I don't, I don't know what she means. I think she's being a little shady. Well, like um, Eva, have you seen any star Wars film fan films? Just little bits of them. I I'm not a, as much of a star Wars fan. So with the idea of sitting down and watching like a really long fan film, that scares me, <laughs> but I've read a lot of fan fiction well, I'm curious if the ones you've seen, if like the costumes, because I'm picturing Star Wars costumes, like that seems harder than this in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because like it's easy to make a Star Wars costume look cheap. These are like rags on people and they're in the forest. <laughs> it's true. And everyone just, I mean, let me say it again. Just there's, there's so much dirt on their faces. So much dirt. Yeah. yeah. Just put a bunch of dirt and you're like, we're hobbits. There's one guy who just 
he just looks very muddy. I, he just looks like he's having a muddy little. He put his face in some mud. Isn't that Arth, Ar, Arthur? Arthur. Yeah, Arthur. He, he has like a beard of mud and then like a smear <laughs> on his forehead. Um, what kind of fan fiction do you like? Do you have like a genre? Um, well, this is like from a other job I had, but I got really into it when I was working on the show Viva La Bam in, two, in the two thousands. I was a uh, like a story editor on that and. And we all discovered like the Viva La Bam fan fiction live journals while wow. we were working on it. And some of them were like sex fan fiction, but it was like this weird like type of sex fan fiction where the guys in Viva La Bam would want to have sex and then decided at the last second it would ruin their friendships. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's so we very would all, funny. It was really funny. And it was called Dujera. That was like the genre. And we would print it out and just leave it for them to find places like <laughs> on set. Because it was just so uncomfortable. They'd get right up to the edge and be like, you know what, dude, I love, I, you, I care about you too much as a friend. And it was all That's, written by girls, like by teen oh, girls. Interesting. Yeah, okay, I was like, shocked. I got, That's in my next fan fiction. <laughs> yes, um, I loved that. And then, yeah, and then I just was like poked around on fanfiction.net a lot because it's like I, I I appreciate when people put themselves in the story. I always think mm. putting yourself in the story is like the the clutch move. That's fun. We oh yeah, have you ever about putting, written your yeah? Put yourself in the story. Yeah, we've never written ourselves in, and I no. feel like that is a fun thing to try because like anything could happen, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like if if you know Bilbo met two ladies who were just kind of interesting, fun comedians. <laughs> It would be Middle two Earth. ladies who are like angry to be there. <laughs> How the fuck do we get to Middle Earth? Why are we here? <laughs> That would be kind of a good like Bill and Ted remake sort of thing is like you and me, we accidentally traveled to like fantasy lands and we're pissed. And then we have to like figure out how to get out. <laughs> you go through like a Narnia cabinet and you're like, what the fuck? We, this is the worst possible thing. <laughs> okay, Hollywood, do your thing. <laughs> we hate this. <laughs> All right. Well, here's some trivia for you. So the movie's plot is almost entirely original as Tolkien gave few details about this incident in his writings. And one deviation the movie makes, however, was that Aragorn catches Gollum in a forest, whereas the appendices of the Lord of the Rings specify that his capture took place in the dead marshes. The deviation may have been made because of the difficulty of recreating the marshes on a low budget. I'm assuming it definitely was. Yeah, most deaf. They're also in Wales. I don't think Wales has marshes. Mm. Oh. Well, they shot it in like... Location specific. Uh, they have moors. They have moors, not marshes. What's a moor? Yeah, I was just about to be like, I don't really know the difference between a moors or a they're marsh. Just, they're slightly different. I just think they're a little different. Different well, creatures. What's a moor? I think it's kind of like a marsh. <laughs> what's a marsh? I don't know. They're both sort of like they're both like kind of long, <laughs> grassy area plains. They're British plains, basically okay. like wet, right. mushy plains. Attractive, open, uncultivated upland. A heath. A Heath, yeah. A Heath is a good one, too. I also okay. see Michael Moore as an option. Oh. <laughs> Catch him in Michael Moore. <laughs> well, here is some more trivia. Chris Dingy, Dingley, one of the actors who performed Gollum's physical portrayal in this film, worked with Jonathan Rice davies who played Gimli in Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, in the TV movie Helen of Troy. Oh, so someone was in the bag, maybe. Ooh. 
<laughs> I'm obsessed with the bag. <laughs> yeah, maybe Chris Ding- Dingley was in the bag. John Reese davies is also in uh, Indiana Jones. He's Sala. I've never seen Indiana Jones. Oh, you don't. You shouldn't do that. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah, I haven't seen those since I was a kid. But we don't can't. do it. No, no, don't no, do no. it. Okay. Wait, what's the name of the guy who was um, Bilbo? Um, uh, Ian Holm. Yes, or, I just saw Alien the other day for the first. time. Oh yeah, time. he's an he's an alien oh. too. Yeah, he gets his head knocked off. It was so good. Have you seen that, Nicole? No, I have never seen Alien. I've never seen it, and I really liked it. And yeah, that guy's in it. I didn't realize it for like he a died long this time. year too. Yeah. Oh. Um. Oh, He's so really the guy great. that we mentioned who played Gollum, he did. He and two others did the physical portrayal of Gollum. So he may or may not have been the one in the bag, is what we're hearing. So, well, that's internet, the one on the tell us who's in that bag. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren's got to know who in the bag. <laughs> Okay, so this was viewed for free over 1 million times in the first week of its online release on May 3rd, 2009. That must have been extremely exciting for those people. Yeah, truly. And shortly after that, it became the fourth most watched release in the U.S. in terms of viewing numbers. And by October 20th, which is only, what, six months later or something, it had been viewed by 10 million people. That's wild. Well, I yeah, the New York Times interview with the guy, they were like, why would you make a movie that you can never sell? And he was like, basically, like, I made a movie that people are going to watch. Like, what's mm. that's the trade off. It's yeah, like, I, it was more really important cool. that people wanted to see it than that I make any money off it. So that's kind of cool. That's true art. Yeah, he wanted to just, he was making art. That is true art. Just art for the, the sake of sharing. Yeah. I think that's nice. So the last little bit of trivia is... It was shot for less than $5,000 with 160 people volunteering as crew members. That's a good chunk of people. Yeah. 160 volunteers. Maybe it was like some people could do makeup. Some people could do effects. Some people had a camera. I don't know if he did other things. I'm now on his IMDb page. Well, okay. This, I had this question too, Nicole, and it says that he directed the, the little mermaid. So I was like, Oh, he did a big studio movie, but no, it's like a really weird Little Mermaid that came out two years ago that seems really strange. That huh. I mean, that, that no makes one sense, saw. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've okay. I yeah, I'm looking this at this one. Little Mermaid. I've definitely yeah. Because I was like, it. oh, cool. He got like a Disney movie. He got a live action Disney Little Mermaid that I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard of, but I assume it came out. <laughs> and then I was like, oh no, this is a completely different Little Mermaid, and it's it seems yeah. wild. But he's still doing stuff. It's on Hulu. I feel like a lot of like big budget movies are directed by like men who've helmed in indie that did well. Dude, Mm -hmm. so many. They go from doing one indie to doing like the craziest things and they are just like, yep. And I am blown away by that. I feel Mm -hmm. like that is such a thing that just happens with. Yeah, it's really no effort. I think the person who did the spectacular now then directed, I think, the Fantastic Four movie. Wow. I think. That's I might crazy. be lying about that. Tee-hee-hee. If you guys were going to do a fan film, what would the <gasps> thing be? Ooh. If Terminator. I do Terminator? Fan... Terminator universe. My favorite Do you have universe. an idea of what this, what like part of the story you would want to do? Uh, I don't know. 
I mean, I'm very interested in directly after the nuclear war with the, with the robots just kind of running around. What was that like? Just get that me in that fun. Terminator universe. What would you do, Lauren? Unfortunately, probably like full house. <laughs> <laughs> but how fun would that be? But I'm just other people in the neighborhood. But like, <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, I really love that answer. Probably full house. <laughs> I would do uh, fan fiction on Ghost, the nineteen ninety <gasps> yes. thriller romance thriller. So oh my good. god, I need to rewatch that. That feels like a good movie right now. To I watch. love it. It's my favorite. I feel like there's a lot of ghosts. There's like a haunted house worth of ghosts that we haven't met in the ghost universe. Oh, so many we got to yes. meet subway ghosts. We got to meet like a handful of other ghosts, but like there's a lot of ghosts hanging out in Ghost. You could definitely do a whole Ghost Land version. Mm-hmm. I actually the ghosts that are super creepy, like the way that they look when they're, you know, coming to take them to hell and stuff. Yeah. Yes, those are like not fun. Those ones I don't like when they're like, ah, apparently I did like uh, this like NPR thing where they ask me questions on ghosts because it's my favorite movie. And one of the trivia things was the sound that the ghosts make when they drag you to hell is the sound of babies crying that they slowed down. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I don't know how true that is. I might be telling a fib. That I'm is pretty sure so that's what it was. Creepy. Isn't that wild? That. That's a Who really comes up good. with that idea? Like the creepiest sound designer in the world. Uh-huh. He's like, yeah. I want to make my baby. I'm going to pinch my baby, record it, and or then slow it down. Or maybe the coolest sound person because <laughs> they took acid one time and they were babysitting and the baby sounded like that when it was crying. And it's like, oh, my God, is the crying slowed down? And they're like, that's scary. I'll put it in the movie. <laughs> that's how I think that went down. I think you're 100% right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know that I would ever have the energy. See, I don't think I have some, I don't think I have like a, th- I don't know if I have a thing, maybe a 90 day fiance, like, um, fan, fan Ooh, film wait. where I we would, act out like all the roles of like Colt and Larissa. <laughs> I would absolutely love it. Um, well, Eva, what are you watching now? Do you have anything that you're really passionate about? Mm, I did the vow. But it disappointed me. Have you seen Seduced? I heard Seduced is better on stars. I know. I just don't have enough energy for another Nexium doc right now. I know. I know. Um, Yeah. I haven't actually had a lot of, like, being able, quarantine makes it so I can't focus on television right now. It's been a little bit weird. Mm. So I've just been enjoying, like, podcasts and stuff like that. Do you feel Um, like you're like you personally can't focus because like just your mind is going to different places or like you're busy with things and TV isn't. I'm a little busy. I have a job. I've gotten really into this game for a week called Ring Fit Adventure where you have like a Pilates ring. I've heard of this. (laughs) Wait, a Pilates ring? You have a Pilates ring that's also like, like, Tech, like it's vibrates it's connected to the oh, game an and actual so- ring i was thinking like a ring like my pilates crew and we go fight crime. <laughs> no, you have like a squeezy ring and oh. you like fight a dragon with it and i play it for like an hour a day minimum so i mostly like all my brain power just goes to like ring fit adventure lately i'm it seems like a it. good workout it's so it's really hard and uh it kicks your and you also have like a 
a thing strapped to your leg with a little controller in it. So you have to run in place really, really fast while you're like doing this sometimes to like fight the dragons and fight the monsters. Did you ever play that Nintendo game as a kid that was like um, the Olympics? Well, it was like the, it was like original Nintendo Olympics and my neighbor had it and it had this mat on the ground that was like a sensor mat Okay, I mean, so you I, had to, like, I played it at other people's houses. Where yeah, it, had, it was like, totally another person's house thing. Yes. Yes. And you had to like run in place to be like in track and field. And then <laughs> you would do the high jump. And so then we always trick the mat by jumping off the mat completely and then jumping back on like five seconds later. So it's like you got That's an amazing so score. <laughs> but it was like not a good workout because you just cheat the whole time. And I mean, kids do that anyway. So Yeah, it's definitely like one of those, but it's it's fun. I like it. It's like a role playing game, but you're doing exercises the whole time. So that's been my main thing I've been enjoying. That's cool. Yeah. You know what I started watching? That's really Ooh, good. What? The Undoing on HBO. Is that the one with Nicole Kidman? Kidman? Yeah. I heard she sings the title song. Wow. I didn't know that. That's what John said. And I was like, yeah, right. Yeah. That's people are talking about that. She sings it. Is it good? Oh my God. It's really good. I've only seen bits and pieces and it seems good. Well, it's a fun mystery sort of thing and it's unfolding. And I've only um, seen the first two episodes because it comes out weekly and you can't binge it unless you Mm. wait. But I don't have that kind of patience. <laughs> but it's really good. I watched two seasons of The Boys. I really liked it. It was fun. Oh, I liked the, um, um, yes, my Aya Cash from You're the Worst was very, very awesome on the second season. I did watch that and I loved it. Yeah, she it was, was scary. A fun, it was a fun, uh, fun, good time. Mike loved that one. I didn't watch it, but it seemed, well, it's like superheroes, but it's. It's as if Marvel was real. And uh, so like Marvel's real, the superheroes are actual real people, but they're also deeply flawed and kind of power hungry. And it's juicy. It's also like kind of soapy. (laughs) I really liked it. it. I like the guy who plays Homelander a lot. He's really good. He's deranged in such a like specific, magnificent way. He's a he's very good in that part. Yeah. The casting's very, very good. I'm trying to get on it. Um, Hollywood, do you thing? <laughs> One of these days uh, that will work for me and I can't wait. You just make it a catchphrase and then everything you say, just say it right after and then something eventually will happen. Hollywood, do you thing? <laughs> um, oh. Wait, have we come to the end? Yeah. Eva, do you have anything you want to plug before we go? Um... My only thing I want to plug is a game that I made in quarantine. If you go on the website, you can do like, it's a horror game. I played on Instagram. It was called Arcana. Um, And if you go on the website, you can read the walkthrough of it. And it's like playing the game all over again. It ran in May, but it's, uh, we have like a really decent walkthrough. And it was just in the Indiecade Game Festival. And we've been, it was just written up an AV club actually right before Halloween. So anyway, the website is Arcana. That's exciting. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's very spooky too. It's a little skiers. So it's arcana-game.com. And if awesome. you check that out, you can click our walkthrough. You can play it like you're playing it in real life. And it's free. Love it. So enjoy. I love it. How did that. you get involved with that? Making a game? Um, I do a lot of immersive theater. I and yes. I got- okay, wait. You've done some really interesting <laughs> ones, haven't you? I mean, I feel yeah. like I've heard about these where you'll go and be 
led around by people or, you know, they do crazy things to you. Yeah. There was one I had to do where I was like fully naked, just like in a weird building. Wait, what? Yeah. There's like, they'll like show up and you'll, the first one I did that was super crazy was like, you'll, you'll experience human birth where you will be the baby and you have (gasps) to be like naked the whole time. And I was like, sure. So I did that. That was like five years ago. What was that like? You can't just tell me you were naked in a building being born and just be like, yeah, so yeah, I like theater, immersive (laughs) theater. It's fun. So that's when I did. It's like, wait, what happened? Did you walk in, take off your clothes? Where are you? It was pitch black. I like put on headphones. I ended up in a tunnel that was all slimy that I was like walking through. And then I ended up in a room that was like all strobe lights and sound. And then I was on an operating table and they were like, they're like, she's we're losing her. And then they took me to this weird room where I had to like watch a video. And then I ended up, my mom came and got me my quote unquote mom. And then she took me to a nursery and she like said a poem. And then she like kind of pushed me out into an alley, like a place for a room where my clothes were. <laughs> and then my, I left just the like room and I, was just, and I was in, <laughs> and just in the, an alley in North Hollywood, just kind of like, I put my clothes on and I was just in an alley. I was just like, whoa. And I just had to find my car. So I did that one. I also did a thing where I like paid a theater company to like do a thing in my life for a while. Yes, I think you've heard I about that one. About this. That yeah, was like yeah. for six months. They would like come to my house and like yell at me and stuff. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you, for six months, for, people like, would on come and to your home and yell at you? They arrested me. For like Why? crimes. Because why did I do it? Because I was bored. <laughs> so wait, I'm, how much so, does this I'm cost? so sorry. I need to understand this. It, I had, I, I, it cost hundreds of dollars. Okay. Um, so you like wrote to a theater company and you were like, we no. come to my home and arrest me. They wrote and to me and they were like, we're offering a service. And if you pay this like some, oh. you'll just like do a play in your life. But it and sounds like, like the beginning of like Eternal Sunshine or something. Like it feels like yeah. there's an interesting movie there. Like that's, that's just. That's why I, I had to do it. I was like, yeah. no, this is this, this opportunity. You don't get this letter very often in your life. Yeah. Huh. I wouldn't do it specifically because I'm like, they're going to kill me. They're going to come, I know. you know, beat yeah, my yeah, life and murder me. They won't kill you. These, these guys were good guys. It turned out later, I found out there were some other theater companies out there that were bad guys that were doing the same thing. Oh, but these no. guys were good guys. But a lot of it, what, what what started to grind on it was that, like, they lived in Orange County. So I'd have to drive to Orange County all the time <laughs> to their condo. Oh, no. To, like, have an experience. And I'd sort of be like, okay, I'm back in, like, by, I, it was always by, like, Knott's Berry Farm. And they'd be like, show up at midnight <laughs> at this address. And I'm like, I know this condo complex by now, guys, like you always make me come here. That is funny to say, show up to this address and it's just the same address. And you're like, all right, I'll just, I'll be there. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of fascinating though. Like thinking about the people doing it, but I think, I think you are more interesting for doing it than they are for doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, correct. I'm very fascinated by that pull within you to have these experiences. Oh, Oh, it's big. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever like, like what, where do you think that came from? Like, did you ever like go to like a dinner theater performance yeah. or something or like, and it was just like, this could be more. I was involved. just really interested in like having like unique, really crazy experiences. And like, and it worked up to a point. It was super like when it was super fun, it was super, super fun. And then it like crashed really hard as soon as like you end up at a show where like they're not responsible and they're being like creepy. And then you're like, oh, I 
been an idiot the whole time. Like oh, I, no. this could have gone bad at any point. So that happened like two or three years ago, but now I make these shows. That's, that was the, my, my turn is that now mm-hmm. I create them. That's cool. So, and I keep them super emotionally safe and physically safe. I love it. So that's my game. My game is actually very safe. I think with that background info, people are going to be really intrigued to check out the game too. Just thinking about you going to be born in a building and then you're like, <laughs> and here's my game. <laughs> There's another time I got strangled in the desert. And that one I was like, I was like, this is too far, guys. Yeah, that sounds insane. That sounds There's this so house. Scary. I can't remember. It's like the McCaber house or something. McCamey Manor. Yeah, where you like sign your whole, like whole life away and they can pull your teeth out and like skin you and shove no. shit under your nails. It's like a it's like there's no safe word. It just lasts until they decide they're done. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's like, so, I, I see. I don't even like I've been to. um, What was that show that they did in those mansions that Halloween oh, play? Uh, Delusion. Yes. Yeah. And I went to that twice. And it's fun. Like you walk through a house and there's like a play happening in the house. So each room, something different happens and you are, they're talking to you and you're running from them and blah, blah, blah. And it is scary, but it's like, it's too scary for me. There's something about it being a person who can like do anything. Like mm-hmm. I just feel kind of vulnerable in a way that it doesn't really, that it just freaks me out. Yeah. That's very normal. I don't like it. That's healthy. That's a healthy reaction. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> okay, good. I went to a haunted house and the way I got through it was every time someone jumped out to scare me, I said, hello, nice to meet you. <laughs> and a couple of them did not like it. That would feel so bad as the scary person. Like just being like, okay, so that one didn't work at all. Sometimes I just go like, I just clap. I go, yay, you're doing great. You did it. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, great job. Oh my God. Megan Stelter sent me this video of um, some people auditioning to be scary people at Six Flags. That's funny. And it's so good. I'll try to find the link so that we Please. can post it. I'm dying to see that. Oh That's my God. It's so the auditions and it's like hours of these people auditioning. I mean, you don't get, you oh, don't yeah. see hours, but they show it's mm-hmm. like edited together and it's just like amazing. I used to go to this Halloween convention that's downtown called Scare LA where like that people do live auditions as like kind of like you have a crew and like you audition as a crew to get hired as a crew to be like scarers. And it's guys who like slide on their knees. So they'll come out and like in the middle of this convention center, just do like a thriller, like knee sliding routine or something where you're just like, Ooh, like all these teens want to get hired together (laughs) so they can can, like be friends together at Six Flags. That could be a show. That could be like America's Best Scarecrow or something. And they just yeah. like, okay, Hollywood, do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a lot of good ideas today. I don't know. One of these is Hollywood's next best scarecrow. <laughs> so funny. Hunt for Gollum. Okay, Hollywood, do your thing. Oh my God. <laughs> Let's get a Gollum Scarecrow in here now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Well, we have a segment called the Battle of the Five Stars where we read a five-star review. And this one comes from It's It's Minerals Marie on Apple Podcasts. And the review is titled Board of the Rings. Let these ladies help. Listen to the tales of Gandhi, Biblo, and the rest of the gang as told by Lauren and Nicole, and you'll laugh out loud. Check your actually at the door because there's enough Tolkien worship elsewhere. This is just fun, frank discussions about crucial topics such as why spinning Gandhi is best Gandhi, why the eagles are kind of dicks, and some Emily in Paris thrown in for good measure. 
I know I love this podcast because it never has a number of cute episode I, episodes. I devour each one the moment it's available. Well, that's very nice. It's Minerals Marie. That was a great review and very so accurate nice. that we're not trying to. Yes. I don't know what we're trying to do, but we're, we're not having pretending fun. to be people we are not. <laughs> we don't like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of minerals? Well, we'll oh, never yeah. know. You know, we can write her back yeah. and see. Maybe she'll write Yeah, Marie, okay. uh, tell us what kind of minerals you are. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, yeah, we'll be back next week with more Lord of the Rings goodness. And in the meantime, we're still trying to figure out what would happen if we do a season three and what we would explore. So mm-hmm. if you have more suggestions out there that we haven't talked about yet, don't tell us about Marvel and don't tell us about, I don't know what the other ones people keep sending, but I've seen a lot of the same things. So I want to hear an yeah. idea that we haven't heard because I feel like there's something out there that we might really like that we don't yeah. know. Find us something nerdy that you think we'll like. Yeah. We like romance. Yeah, we love kissing, kissing, drama. (laughs) (laughs) We should just do Emily in Paris. (laughs) I would love to break down every episode of that. Oh, me too. I love (laughs) Emily in Paris. Uh, Well, uh, Eva, where can people follow you before we sign off? Um, I'm I'm Evie, A-F-A-Y, Eva Faye on all social media, except Facebook, because fuck Facebook. Follow me there. I really got frustrated when Instagram changed their like interface to say from Facebook. I was like, it, Stop. it was like trying to remind everyone who left Facebook and it was mm-hmm. like, but I kind of still like, uh, you know, Instagram to be like, you're still kind of on Facebook. Yes. Very rude. It's annoying. Yeah, very, very rude. Bad. Oh, wait, Nicole, do you have anything to plug? I didn't ask you that. Um, guys, let's vote. This presidential election is so important. You got to get out and vote. I don't know. I have a Patreon where I have a, a 90 Day Fiance podcast with Marcy Jaro. Um, other podcasts, Why Won't You Date Me? You know, just that stuff. Lauren? Same. I have a Patreon and I'm doing improv. I'm bringing back with special guest Lauren Lapkus on there. I did one with Megan Stalter, who I just mentioned, who's so funny. And uh, there's, I did a whole series on the Babysitter's Club show on Netflix, which was really fun. I had on a lot of fun guests and we talked about that show, which I really loved. Did you watch that, by the way? No, I think that might be my next show. Oh, my I've God. Been, like, it's so fun for something. It's so fun. You'll really enjoy it. And it's like it's quick, too. I mean, it's a short watch, but they're doing season two. And I'm very happy because I really liked it. And I thought all the <laughs> girls were so good. Okay, well, that's it. So go follow us on uh, our Patreons and, you know, support our art in this time. (laughs) Yes, support our art. We make art for people to listen to. That's much like the hunt for Gollum. Wow. Really brought it all together. I love that so much. Um, All right. We'll see you guys soon. Bye. Bye. was a HeadGum original.